Welcome to the Cornerstone Corner, our weekly message podcast. At Cornerstone, we are enthusiastic about all ages, having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open the Bible and hear God's Word for us today. We all know somebody that's got a lot of opinions, right? Just, I only, I only know those people. Right, we all know those people, right? Well, uh, I'm actually going to turn each and every one of you into one of those people today. Like it or not, we're going to do it. So we're going to play a game. Who likes games? Anybody? Only about half the crowd. All right, everybody else, get up. Oh, I'm joking. (laughs) We're going to play a game this morning that is called What's the Right Answer? What's the right answer? Oh, I know. It's going to be fun. Terry said he knows all of them. (laughs) All right, so here's what I need you to do. I need you to find a group or a partner or something, somebody you came with, somebody you don't know is more fun because that makes it, you get to argue with somebody you don't know. Like, that sounds like a great time, right? All right, so I need you to find somebody, and then we're going we're gonna to go through these questions so that I can turn you all into extremely opinionated people. All right, everybody good? We ready to play? Not a lot of energy in here. Are we ready to play? Yeah, there we go. All right, thanks. All right, here's the first question. What should the color green taste like? Lime or apple? Oh, that was a lot of mixed answers. That was a lot of mixed answers. (laughs) No, that's not the answer. You got to pick one. All right, all right, all right, all right. That was just a warm-up. That's not even the hard ones. All right, here's the second one. What way should you use toilet paper? Do you fold it or scrunch it? (laughs) Come on now. I know we got some opinions. All right, all right, all right, all right. Hey. I know you might have noticed Pastor Matt is not here this morning. His team is in Uganda, uh, and they're, they're doing some great things over in Uganda, and so you should be praying for them. But since Pastor Matt's not here, we're going to talk even more about toilet paper. So here's the next one. <laughs> what way should toilet paper go? That one seems pretty consensus. I'm, 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 I'm pretty happy about that one. All right, all right, and the final question, and the most controversial, to me at least, is does pineapple belong on pizza? And the answer is no, (laughs) and that is the right answer, because I made up the game and I say the rules. (laughs) All right, all right, all right, all right, that's enough fun. Uh, It was a lot of fun. Hopefully, we didn't ruin any marriages over the toilet paper stuff. Uh, But okay, the truth is, whether we like to believe it or not, we all, every single one of us, have opinions about things in life. And even if you're a person who's like, people should just like stop being so opinionated. Guess what? That's an opinion. Thank you. Right? So uh, for some of us, though, I think we do this thing where we look to other people and other things to decide what determines success, to decide what gives value, to to decide what's worthy of our time. 
And we play this fun little game where we trick ourselves into believing these lies about who we are. Uh, and as Pastor Ryan talked about last week, if you, didn't, if you weren't here last week, it was a great message. I encourage you to go back and look at it. But he talked about if we could just have this one thing, if we could just do this one thing in life, then everything would be perfect and we would be content. That's a lie. And as we do this thing, as we look out and we see the things that we feel like we need and we should have and that we want, and we look at these other people and their success and the things that they have in life, we begin to internalize those thoughts. We're in a series here at Cornerstone called Soundtracks, Breaking the Lies that We Believe. And we're going over some of the things that we replay in our, our minds over and over and over again. And mostly the things that negatively affect us and how we can replace that broken soundtrack with the soundtrack that God gives us. And it's actually mostly based off of this book, but also based off this book by John Acuff. And so we're going to do a fun little book giveaway this morning. So everybody look at your programs, the handouts. If you've got a sticker... Pick it up. Oh, Lenita. Wonderful. Everybody give Lenita a hand. Come grab your book. There you go. I expect a book report by Thursday. Thanks. But so, as we get going, today's soundtrack is about, can you guess? I said it like eight times. Starts with an O, ends with opinions. Opinions. Yes, good. All right, but specifically the opinions of other people and other, other things and how that, that affects us and what it does to us. And if I'm being truthful, this is something that I struggle with a lot. I can hear the opinions of other people's and I can start, I, I can start to think and I see the success of other people and, and I think I can never measure up. I'm never going to be good enough to do that. I'll never be that good of a parent. I'm definitely never going to be that good of a singer, never going to be that good of a speaker. I'm never going to be that good of a follower of Jesus. I'm never going to be blank. And while, yes, it's true, we live in a very opinionated and achievement-slash-success-driven world where those things are important, we can often actually be, and this is the title of our message today, we can be our own worst critic. And so our soundtrack, if you are like me and feeling this way, is we constantly just berate ourselves with self-criticism. And so we're going to talk about today, what is the soundtrack that God gives us, and how can we apply that? How do we change it in our minds? And so we're going to talk about what the Bible says about this idea of self-criticism, but first I want to pause and pray. Would you pray with me? God, we invite you into this time as we begin to dive into your word uh, to learn more about how we can combat the lies of the enemy that tell us that we're not good enough or that we can't do things in life because of something that somebody else tells us. God, help us to recognize who you are and who you say we are in all of this. Change our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so self-criticism, the Bible, what's it say? First uh, John 3.20 actually says this, if our hearts condemn us, then we know that God is greater than our hearts and that he knows everything. I think there are a couple uh, other sections of scripture that we're going to go through today that uh, may help us better understand what exactly that, that means for us this morning. Uh, and truthfully, there's good news. I know this is like, you might have heard me say, like, we're going to talk about being our own worst critic and self-criticism and all this stuff. And you're like, man, I'm in trouble today. That's, what, that's where I would be. But there's good news. There's nothing new under the sun. 
right? There's nothing new. This is something that humans have struggled with since the beginning. And we're really lucky because the good news is, is that God gives us, through the Bible, some great examples of how, uh, how people have dealt with this in the past and how God responds to it to us today. And so for our first story, we're going to be in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16. If you need a Bible, there's some spread out throughout the auditorium and the seats. And then also you can go to sermons.church and look up Cornerstone Church on your smart device and all the message notes should be there for you. While you're doing that, uh, we're going to talk about these guys in the Old Testament, specifically Samuel and Saul. All right? And so Saul was the king of Israel, and he went out on this mission, and he didn't follow the commands of the Lord. Right? And in the process, he was setting up like statues for himself and doing all these things he absolutely should have been doing, right? Because that's what you do when you follow God is you set up statues of yourself. Right? Right? No. Okay. Look, we're awake. We're getting there. It's fine. Uh, but so God strips Saul of the title of king of Israel, and he uses Samuel to tell him. Samuel's the messenger. And so where we pick up in our text is Samuel is actually on his way to find the next king of Israel that God has appointed, where we start to see this apprehension. Okay, so 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 7 says this. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace, Samuel replied. Yes, in peace, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to, to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so Samuel falls into this, this trap, right? And it isn't necessarily in this moment self-criticism, but it is the expectations and opinions of the world versus what God tells us, right? And first, this is a little bit of a tangent, and I was kind of struggling with whether or not I was going to share this, but I, I think I need to, right? In the, in the beginning, when, he first, when God first commands uh, Samuel to go, he's like, but, but Saul's going to be mad at me. Like, he might kill me. And I think a lot of us can get caught in that same mindset, just like Samuel was saying, well, if I did that, then so-and-so might not be super happy with my decision. Like, I don't know if I want to do that. If I stop drinking, my friends might not think I'm cool anymore. If I stop having sex before marriage, then maybe my significant other will leave me, and I just, I don't really want to, like, disrupt all of that. We get so caught up in maintaining peace in relationships, and trying to just maintain a status quo, that sometimes we can ignore and brush off the things that God is telling us to do. And I could tell you right now that the friends that I had in high school are not the same friends that I have now. And that's not a, that's not a bad thing, all right? 
And, I, and it doesn't make me better than my friends, but what happened was I started following Jesus and they stayed where they were and my convictions led me one way and their convictions led them another and eventually the distance was just too great. And that's not, that's not bad. I love those friends and I'm so grateful for the times that I had and the memories that I have with them and some of them were, were with me through my hardest times, but God has called me to something different. And so I can't ignore God's call because I want to maintain a status quo over here, Right? The, the Bible talks about treasures in heaven, and man, I'm chasing after that. I'm chasing after the rewards that God gives, and, and I can tell you right now, I've seen some of those rewards here on this side of heaven. I have great friends who share my convictions, and they have helped me grow as a follower of Jesus, and none of that would have happened if I would have stayed and done the things that I have previously been doing. And so sometimes we got to follow God over maintaining the status quo, and I don't know who that's for this morning. That was just something that came up to me literally last night, but... I felt like the Lord really wanted me to share that. But now I'm going to get back on the actual topic that we're on this morning. Uh, so the other part of this is he falls into the trap of believing that the biggest, strongest, oldest, wisest, smartest person would be the automatic choice for king, right? That's who Eliab is. He's the, he's the oldest, he's the strongest, he's the biggest, he's the fastest. And I think a lot of us, I think we respond that way too, Right? Like, we just, we have some assumptions from the world of who should be doing what, right? And I, and I think, I've said this to myself a ton. I could never do this because I'm not this, right? I couldn't do it because I'm, I'm too young. I couldn't do it because I'm, I'm too tall. I don't know. There's lots of things in life, right? I, I will tell you, uh, I cannot be a distance runner because if you are a distance runner, you're crazy. That's, I'm just not crazy, I guess. I don't know. It's fine. That was for you, Abby. <laughs> uh, no, but th there's just so many things in life we just immediately tell ourselves we can't do, right? But God says no. It actually has nothing to do with the physical appearance or the things that the world looks at. If you caught it, he says it has to do with what's in our hearts. What's in our heart ultimately is the thing that decides whether or not that we are worthy. I have a question for you. Bet you can guess what it is. What's in our hearts? What's in our hearts? And I think that brings us to our point today. If we fall into a soundtrack of self-criticism, then our heart is full of mistrust. If we fall into a soundtrack of self-criticism, then our heart is full of mistrust. It says this in Psalm 139. 13 through 16, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. See, what this says is that God has a plan and a direction for each one of us. He's already laid out a path for each and every one of us. And what's so cool about all of this is that we each have a purpose that is uniquely given to just us. But here's the thing. We can't fall into the trap of believing the things that the world says that we need to be or need to look like or need to act like or need to chase after. We can only, we can only follow the path that God tells us and what God's direction is for our life. Because the truth is, 
The things that we criticize about ourselves reveal the things that we don't trust God with. This was my revelation this week. The things that I, I point out about myself, man, I don't really like that. I don't really like this. And I just realized it was all the things that I do not trust God with. And if you don't believe me, uh, if we criticize our success, then we don't trust God to direct our life, to put us exactly where we need to be in life. If we criticize our physical appearance, then we don't trust God as a creator. If we criticize our financial position, then we don't trust God to be Jehovah Jireh, the provider. We have to trust that God is who he says he is and that he does have a plan for us and a purpose for us. And exactly where you are in your life right now, God is working. God is doing something, a work in you. I want to go back for a minute and kind of talk through where we're at to this point as we go ahead. So Samuel, right, after the, right off the bat, we saw questions, a direct order from God by bringing up a situation that God already had a plan for. God tells him to go to Jesse, and he questions how he's going to get through, and what, through what's in front of him, referring to Saul. And there's actually a really cool parallel that we're going to look at this morning in Scripture uh, that I think will actually give us a clearer picture of, of what this idea of self-criticism looks like and what God says about it. And so I want to tell you about a story of a guy named Moses. Okay? Moses, uh, if you don't know the story, a uh, quick summary to get us where we pick up. Moses was born at the time where the Israelites were in slavery and exodus and oppressed by the Pharaoh in Egypt. And Pharaoh ordered his people to start killing the newborn boys of the Israelites' children because they were afraid of what would happen, basically, if there was too many Israelites in slavery. So Moses' mother put him in a basket and sent him down the river to keep him safe. And eventually, Pharaoh's daughter found Moses in the basket and adopted him as her own. And there's more to that story, but that's kind of like a short Cliff Notes version, right? Uh, and so Moses eventually runs off, visits the Israelites, get caught, gets caught, uh, has to flee into the wilderness for a bit, finds a wife, has a kid, and one day is out tending to his father-in-law's sheep when he encounters God. And so we pick up in Exodus 3, 1 through 14, says this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of, of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have, I think it's the next, no, so now, yeah, yeah, I'm, my bad. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to the Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. 
But here's where we see this, right? Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain, Moses said to God. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So what's so great about Moses' story here? I think he's just like us. I can't tell you how many times that God has called me to something like ministry. I was like, God, who am I? Like, you know my past. Who am I to be doing this? Like, couldn't be me, right? But God, God used me in a way that I never thought imaginable, and I think so many of us can do that same thing. We see where God's calling us, but we just maybe feel like we're not good enough or that something can prevents us from getting to where God wants us to be. And actually, if you skip ahead uh, to Exodus 4.10, even after all of this, it shows us Moses is still in this mode of not being good enough. And it says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. And this is what's so good. This is the Lord's response to Moses. The Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you and in want to say bluntly, God in all of this and what I'm going to call the Zach Red paraphrase this morning is saying it doesn't matter who you are because of who he is, because of who I am. It doesn't matter whether or not you can speak well. It doesn't matter what your status is. It doesn't matter if they believe you. It doesn't matter if you have the job that you feel like you need to be successful. It doesn't matter if you're the biggest, fastest, strongest, smartest, wisest, any of that. God says that you're going to do the thing I commanded you to do because I'm giving you the power to do it. Whatever things we've come to believe about ourselves that have caused us to feel insecure or not good enough, they don't matter when God is in the picture. Because just like it says in 1 John 3.20, God is greater than our hearts. God is immeasurably greater than anything we could think of. And when we have him in our lives, there's a lot of things in life that seriously do just start to not matter. For instance, uh, God is greater than the world's expectations. 1 John 3.1 says this, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. See, God loves us so much that he takes on this position of a father, a loving father, a perfect father who is proud of us, who wants the best for us, who would do anything for us. And when we live in that, the things that the world wants from you start to feel like they don't make sense. People start to see you 
I see the joy that you have and the peace that surpasses all understanding. They start to not even recognize who you are anymore. Like I said earlier, this is what happened to me and my old friends. Jesus changed me and they didn't recognize me anymore, but the rewards that come with fully placing my trust in Jesus are so much greater than anything that I've found trusting in the world and the world's expectations. God's also greater than our situations, than where we are right now in our lives. Hebrews 13.5 says, Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you, and I will never abandon you. This is a call to be satisfied with what we have, just like Pastor Ryan talked about last week. God has never failed you. God has never abandoned you. When everything else in the world fails you, when life starts to suck, when nothing is going your way, it's so easy. And this is me too. I'm not, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself this morning. It's so easy to get caught up and start to condemn ourselves and allow our hearts and our minds to just pick at everything in our lives. What could be better? What needs to be different? What needs to match what I see outwardly? But God says that he will never fail us and he will never abandon us and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So in that truth, we can be satisfied in our situation right now. And what I think this, this next one is probably one of the, the most prominent, and, and especially in my life. We have to realize that God is greater than the mirror. God is greater than what you see in the mirror. We read this in 1 Samuel 16, 7, but I want to bring it back up. The Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance. The world judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I know I've done this. I know lots of people that have done this. I know how damaging it can be. It's so easy for us to criticize what we see in the mirror. To look at others, to see what the world has deemed beautiful and attractive, and to feel like we don't measure up. And here's what I found about that, and it's a bit of a harsh reality. We don't. As followers of Christ, we don't measure up to what the world says is beautiful and attractive. But the truth is, is we were never meant to. We were never meant to look like what the world says is good. We were meant to look like what God wants us to look like because we were made, well, here, we were made in the image of Brad Pitt and Kara Rudd, right? Kara Rudd's the most beautiful woman on the planet. If you don't know that, it sucks. My wife, by the way. Uh, uh, right? So humans were made in the image of Brad Pitt and Kara Rudd. That's what it says in the Bible, right? No. We were made in the image of God. And I don't know about you, but I look at the things that God has created, and I see beauty. And if, if the same person that made all of that made me, who am I to think that I know better and that I know what looks better and I know what's more beautiful God loves each and every one of us. It says that we are his masterpiece. He made us in his image. And it's one that is of beauty and perfection that this world cannot recognize. God is greater than the mirror. 
There's always going to be something in life that we could criticize ourselves for. There's always going to be something about the world or the culture that will make us feel like we don't measure up or that uh, we, we can start to hate where we are in our lives. And that's our broken soundtrack. And so our job, we have to change it. We have to change our broken soundtrack. It's our job to build up strongholds inside of our brain full of who God is and what God says about us. So that when the enemy comes and tries to twist God's words, tries to lie to us about who we are, we have a strong and mighty tower in the name of Jesus protecting us. We have to build up these protected towers of statements that God makes about us and who we are. So that no lie the enemy tells us can break us apart. We have to get rid of the soundtrack of self-criticism and hatred. And instead, we have to replace and change our soundtrack from this, from criticism to confidence. We have to change our soundtrack from criticism to confidence. And here's the thing, though. This isn't like confidence in myself, right? It's not pride and arrogance. But it's the humility to understand that we can't do this life alone. We must have confidence that God truly is greater than all the things we just talked about. That he has a plan for us, that he has a purpose, that he gives uniquely to each one of us, and that where we are right now, God is working all things together for his good. The great part about that is that God's here with us. He doesn't just put us on an island and stay really far away and be like, y'all figure it out over there. That's not God. God is right here. He is present in each one of our lives, right? He doesn't leave us. He says, fear not, for I am with you. I will go before you, with you, and behind you. I have a plan for you. You are not worthless, and most of all, you are loved. One last thing I think that we as self-critics can learn from today is from a guy named Paul, and the band can come and start to get ready. He writes a few things that I think are, are helpful. Uh, in this section that we're going to look at, he's defending himself against the accusations of false prophets and teachers. And he's bragging about all these credentials that he has, but also about the stuff that he's been through. And he talks about uh, how foolish that he feels bragging about all of these things. Uh, and he eventually says this in 2 Corinthians 11 through 30. He says, if I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. Paul's saying, look, if you're going to make me brag, if you're going to make me talk about all this stuff, then I'm going to talk about the things that show the weaknesses that I have. And he does just that in 2 Corinthians 12, 5 through 10. It says this. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. 
That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So our final takeaway from all of this is that it doesn't matter what we have. It doesn't matter if we measure up to the world's standards. It doesn't matter if we fit into some box of success. It doesn't matter if we make everyone in our life happy and proud because honestly, that's impossible. It doesn't matter if we conform to the things that our friends want us to do. We can trust that God is with us in the midst of every situation. In the midst of struggles, but especially in our weaknesses. We have an invitation from God to live for him, and when we decide to invite him into our lives, nothing, and I really mean nothing else, matters except for him and his direction and his call for our lives. The the expectation and and the opinions of the people around you, the world's beauty standards, the situations in your life, everything that the world tells you to achieve, they all just start to fade away and don't matter. Because what matters most is that we stand firm in the fact that we can be confident in our weakness because God's grace is sufficient. Even when we condemn ourselves, even when we criticize ourselves, even when we tear ourselves apart, God is greater than all of that. God is greater than our weakness. Well, we pray that you enjoyed the message today. We pray that it was challenging and that the Spirit has stirred something new in you today. Have a blessed week.